Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you this on this snowy morning, and uh, it's good to be here. Now, some of you may have noticed that I didn't take the supper today, and I hope you didn't. But I'm, but I, but I know you may have noticed your pastor, and you may say, "Well, pastor, you got some unconfessed sin in your life. What's going on?" Well, I'm having uh, a routine medical test that you have when you get to be my age tomorrow, and so I'm not supposed to eat anything. Uh, but but I also wanted to say that to you, and and that. There might be time that you feel like you can't take the Lord's Supper, or you shouldn't take the Lord's Supper. And uh, we shouldn't have group pressure for everyone to take the Supper. <laughs> you know, you should feel freedom, because we don't want to take it perfunctory. We don't want to just take it because everyone's taking it. We want to take it to remember the Lord's death until He comes. And so you might notice someone doesn't take it. Well, just... They might be dealing with something, and you might just remind you to pray for them. Or hopefully, you're not noticing those things. But I think if I was sitting there and my pastor didn't take the supper, I might notice and wonder what's going on. So I kind of wanted to explain to you what was going on, uh, and and use it as a time to to say to you, let's let's don't let's let's give each other a break, and let's let's think about what we're going through, and let's don't do the things that we do to serve the Lord. Just because everyone else is doing them. Let's do them because we love Him and we want to walk with Him. We're in Matthew chapter 25 this morning. And the title of the message is Showing Jesus Love. Showing Jesus Love. If some of you are wondering what kind of test I'm having at my age, the only thing i got to say to you is that you're too young. You're too young, anyway. (laughs) It will happen to you someday, but anyway... Uh, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say 
to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. Daniel Webster said, The most important thought that ever occupied my mind is that of my individual responsibility to God. The most important thought to have ever crossed my mind is that of my individual responsibility to God. Daniel Webster understood something all of us need to understand. We are responsible to God. We will one day stand before God and give an account of our lives to Him. That will happen to every one of us. We'll be judged by Him. Now what criteria will we be judged by? What's the criteria with which He will judge? The criteria by which God, what, by which Jesus will judge us is how each of us responded to Him. We will be judged by how we responded to Jesus Christ. What did we do with Jesus? Did we embrace Jesus, love Jesus, serve Jesus, seek to glorify Him? Or did we ignore Jesus, abuse Him, or neglect Him? Now, some will say, how can you and I know that? We have never seen Jesus to do anything for Him. But the truth of this passage of Scripture is that we see Jesus all the time. We see Jesus all the time. Whenever you see any follower of Jesus Christ, whether it's the smallest child who loves him and sings, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, or, or a child or adult who will believe in Jesus if they are shown his love, we see Jesus. When we see a special needs person who needs you to love them to Jesus and then, uh, and then who will find the life that he has for them, you see Jesus. When you see a young teenager burning with passion to live for Jesus and to tell us about Jesus, you see Jesus. When you see a young adult who seeks in Jesus' name to provide justice uh, to those oppressed and crushed by society, you see Jesus. When you see the young mom... Uh, with energetic young children who needs rest and relief and you minister to her, when you see the person who works beside you at work who desperately needs to know the forgiveness and love of Jesus, when you see the poorest person on the street asking Jesus every day for enough provisions to survive, you see Jesus. We see Jesus every day in, in those who know him, or in those who could know him and follow him. Do you remember when Saul was persecuting the church in the book of Acts? And Saul was going from uh, Jerusalem to Damascus because he was going to persecute the followers of Jesus that were in Damascus. And Jesus met him on the road. What did Jesus say to him? Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When you persecuted the followers of Jesus, you persecute Jesus. When you mistreat the followers of Jesus, you mistreat Jesus. When you support and love those who follow Jesus, you support and love Jesus himself. Now the passage we read in Matthew 25, it's probably one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. Those who don't know the Lord and those who do know the Lord seem to know this. 
But it's often misapplied and misunderstood by those who simply want to make the gospel about social justice. Now there's no doubt the followers of Jesus are to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty and clothe the naked and visit the sick and those in prison. The Old Testament prophets call for this again and again and Jesus calls for this again and again. But Jesus' emphasis here is simply is here is not simply doing these things. His emphasis here is how one responds to Jesus and his followers, his brothers, those he calls the least of these who believe in him. How you respond to believers and support them as they seek to live for Jesus uh, is how you respond to Jesus. How you respond to believers and support them as they seek to live for Jesus is how you respond to Jesus. Now, Jesus supremely and emphatically identifies with those who believe and belong to him. Jesus supremely and emphatically identifies with those who join him in his mission of taking his gospel to every ethnic and people group around the world and taking his gospel and expanding his kingdom to the ends of the earth. You see, the truth of this passage is simply this. How you respond to Jesus determines your eternal destiny on Judgment Day. How you respond to Jesus determines your eternal destiny on Judgment Day. Now, Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, is the final section of... of, It's kind of all been talking about the judgment of God, but it's the final teaching session of Jesus we find in the Gospel of Matthew. After this, Jesus is going to be arrested, he's going to be crucified, he's going to be with his disciples. But here, it's the final teaching section. But Matthew 25, 31-46 is not just another of Jesus' parables. This is not a parable uh, to, uh, to compare something earthly to something heavenly. To teach you some heavenly truth by some earthly um, example. This passage is a picture of the coming day of judgment for all people. That's what this passage is speaking of. Look at what it says. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne, the Son of Man. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, all the nations, and He will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep From the goat. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. The Son of Man is going to do this. Now, who is this Son of Man? The Son of Man is a title Jesus uses for himself all throughout the Gospels. And the Son of Man comes from Daniel, chapter 7. As a few few years ago, we preached, I preached through the book of Daniel. But in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 7, Daniel saw this vision and he prophesied. I saw in the night visions, and behold, (coughs) with the clouds of heaven there there came like one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and, and, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations... And languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Who is this Son of Man who we are going to 
to be judged by, who will sit on his throne and judge the peoples of the world and separate the sheep from the goats. The Son of Man is Jesus himself, the very one talking in this passage of Scripture. Jesus is the Son of Man who comes to the Ancient of Days and is given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. That is the way that he will come at his second uh, his second coming. Uh, he will not, as a, in his, in, when he comes the second time, he will not come in weakness as a baby. He will not come secretly. He will come as King of kings and Lord of lords to judge the world and to rule and to reign forever and ever and ever. Now it said Jesus will sit on his throne because he's, the, he's God the Son. He's the eternal Son of God. And he will judge every human being. All the nations collectively, all the people groups collectively, will be gathered before his throne. Then the people will be separated individually into two groups. (coughs) He he likens it to a shepherd separating sheep from the goats. Sheep were considered of great value Sheep could stay out in the cold at night because of their wool. Goats could not. They had to be separated from. And they were considered of much lesser value. So the sheep are on his right and the goats are on his left. And and Jesus said people are going to be separated. There's going to be two groups and only two. The, The sheep and the goats. And that's it. The sheep will be on his right. Uh, the sign of a king's favor in the ancient world, and the goats would be on his left, the place of disfavor. Only two divisions. The sheep and the goats. The righteous and the unrighteous. The saved and the condemned. There is no in-between division. Only two divisions. The saved and the condemned. The choices, you see, we make about Jesus in this life are irrevocable in the next And so there will be a judgment of the sheep and the goats. Now I want you to notice the only criteria, the only criteria for whether one was lost or saved, a sheep or a goat, is this. The saved show they belong to Jesus by loving him and ministering to his followers. The saved show they belong to Jesus by loving and ministering to his followers. Now Jesus is going to say to the sheep on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And Jesus invites them into the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. You see, those who believe and belong to Jesus are part of an eternal kingdom that was provided for them before the world was ever created. Uh, And they are invited into this kingdom. You see, God always intended to bless those who believe and belong to him and and plan to, uh, to show them his goodness and his love forever. Now, how how did he know who were the sheep and who were the goats? How did they prove they were among the eternal kingdom prepared for him? Jesus tells them that when he was hungry, they gave him food. When he was thirsty, they gave him drink. 
When he was a stranger, they invited him in to their, into their homes. And that has the idea of, you know, making him part of the family. When they were naked, they clothed him. When they were sick, they visited him. When they were in prison, they came to him. Now, when they hear this, this is news to them. They're thinking, we don't remember ever doing this. We don't remember ever doing this. And, and, and Jesus will say to the righteous, those made righteous by faith in Jesus, they're going to say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then King Jesus will tell them when it happened. Truly I say to you, Jesus will say, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now, who are the brothers and who are the least of these? In the Gospel of Matthew, whenever the word brothers is used, it's talking about believers. We could translate it brothers or sisters. You know, it's, it's a term for, for men and women. But whenever the term is used, it's, he's talking about those who believe in and know and follow Jesus. That's who he's talking about. Craig Blomberg wrote, Brothers in this gospel, and usually in all the New Testament more generally, when not referring to literal biological siblings, always means spiritual kin. So the brothers are those who believe and belong to Jesus. In Matthew 10, 40-42, when Jesus sent his disciples on a mission, he said this, Whoever receives you, receives me. Whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Jesus again said in Matthew chapter 18, verses 5 and 6, Whoever receives one such child in my name, receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the sea. You see, Jesus is emphatically identifying with his followers. And the followers, his followers, they're, they're not doing these things in order to somehow get into, the, get into the Son of Man, the King's favor. They're doing these things because... Because it's part of their nature to do good for those who believe and belong to Jesus. It's that, that's what God has saved them to do. And Jesus is emphatically identifying with, uh, with even the little ones who are given a cup of cold water because the little one is a disciple of Jesus. Now, when Jesus talked about receiving and ministering to his brothers and the least of these, he's talking about receiving and ministering to those who believe and belong to him. Now, you might say to me, which is, which is true, we, don't, we can't always know who believes and belongs to Jesus. But that's not really the important point. That's not really the emphasis here. The meaning of the verse is pointing to how you accept and treat those who follow Jesus or those who will follow Jesus. You see, you don't know that you could love somebody and, and share the love of Jesus with them so they will put their faith and trust in him. You do not know who knows Jesus. You don't know the one who will come to faith in Jesus but if in your loving concern. But when you love and serve others and seek to love them to Jesus, you are ministering to Jesus. You're, it's not just doing good for people. 
It's not just helping people. We should help people, but I want to tell you, we should help them so they could come to know Jesus. We should, we should help people who know, who we know that don't know Jesus. We should love them, yes, but we should love them in Jesus' name so that they will find the ultimate life that is life itself, the life of living in Christ and being in Jesus. You see, the saved show they belong to Jesus by loving and ministering to his followers. Now, there's an opposite truth here. The lost show they do not belong to Jesus by not loving and ministering to his followers. Now, Jesus will then say to those on his left, to the goats, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Man, tough language, isn't it? Jesus pronounces sentences on those on his left. Uh, Depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. They are cursed and they will not be able to be in the presence of Jesus forever because they don't want to be in the presence of Jesus forever. They are sent to the place of eternal fire, the place cut off from the goodness and, and the grace of God. Uh, and, but notice about this place. This place was prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, I don't think the place they're going, the place of eternal fire, was ever meant for people. It, it, when, the, when the angels in heaven rebelled against God, that there was no chance of them being restored to fellowship with God, and they were cast out in this place of eternal fire, we, might, we could call it hell, was prepared for them. Um, but people were never meant to go there. Do you see that? Craig Blomberg writes this, God originally made no provision for lost people or hell in His creative purposes. But once humans and angels freely chose to rebel, then a place of punishment was prepared. No scripture ever indicates that fallen angels had any subsequent chance to repent. But then Bloomberg writes this emphatic statement. But people do have a chance to repent. So no one need join the demons in this fire Some will opt out for hell by rejecting Christ. When they do, they have only themselves to blame. They have only themselves to blame. You see, if you don't want Jesus, you don't have to have Him. Jesus tells the evidence uh, for passing this sentence. He says, when I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Well, this is news to them also. That the curse will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then King Jesus will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. You see, if you do not accept and receive Jesus' followers, you show that you have not accepted the rule of Jesus in your life. To accept Jesus' followers is to accept Him. To reject them is to reject Him. Now, they're not cursed because they weren't loving or ministering to the least of those who will follow or not follow Jesus. They are cursed 
because when they do this, it shows they don't want Jesus. It shows they never embrace Jesus. It reveals they want to rule their own lives and live lives for their way instead of living for Jesus Christ in the glory of God. You see, how you treat the kin of the one you say you love is how you treat them. You can tell me you love me, but if you don't love Carla, you don't love me. You can tell me you love me, but if you don't love my kids, you don't really love me. And if you say, I love Jesus, you have to love his people. You, you support them. And yes, they're not perfect. They're all messed up. I'm one of the people of God, and you're one of the people of God. And aren't you kind of messed up? Well, if you tell me you're not, I, you know, you have a deeper problem than I'm going to deal with on, on today. But the truth is, we're all messed up. Yes, and we have to love each other in our perfections. But do we seek to love each other and help each other to follow Jesus? Do we seek to minister to each other in Jesus' name? Do we seek to minister to the least of, the, of these who, who either will either know Jesus or will know Jesus? You see, if you don't want Jesus, you don't have to have Him. If you won't love Jesus, you're not going to be forced to love Him. If you do not want Jesus in this life, Jesus will not be forced upon you in the life to come. It's up to you. You see, there remains no more pressing priority in this life than to respond properly to Jesus and His messengers to become His disciples through faith in Him. If you will receive Him, then you will begin to demonstrate His Lordship in life through acts of service to those who know or those who will know, who could possibly know, love, and follow and be on mission with Jesus. See, how you respond to believers and support them as they seek to live for Jesus shows how you respond to Jesus. For I was hungry... And you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus supremely and emphatically identifies with those who believe in him and belong to him. Jesus supremely and emphatically identifies with those who join him in his mission of taking his gospel to every ethnic and people group around the world. Jesus supremely and emphatically identifies with those who seek to extend his kingdom to the ends of the earth. How you respond to Jesus determines your eternal destiny. Not only on judgment day, but actually even beginning today. Father, we love you and we seek your face. 
And we ask for your help. And we ask you to draw us to yourself and work in our lives. Lord, we pray, Lord, that I pray that everybody here knows you or will come to know you. I pray that today, if they've never put their trust in Jesus, if they've never said, Jesus, save me, come into my life, forgive my sins, let me, help me to follow you and live for you the rest of my life. I pray that even today, that this would be their prayer, they would cry out to you and be saved. I pray that, Lord, that they would, they would then begin to love your people because you love your people. And love those who, Lord, might one day become followers of Jesus. That we would begin to love the oppressed and the hurting and the lonely and those sick and in prison. In Jesus' name, so they might come to know the one who loves them above everything else. Lord, work in our lives and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name.